Is writing and telling story the best way to combat evil in the world? As a writer myself, I do see the power of the pen and how quickly certain ideas can spread like wildfire among the masses. But is this the best format and is there a unique responsibility that writers have to promote the best ideals of society and also even define what we think evil really is? In this episode, I'm going to take a closer look at this and try to answer some of those questions or at least discuss some of them. This is Josh J.C. Felter for The Writer's Lens, and this is episode 39. Is writing and telling story the best way to combat evil? All right, well, welcome back, guys. Uh, this is Josh J.C. Felto for The Writer's Lens, and I just want to welcome you back after a little more than a week's hiatus. I've had a bit of a crazy last week and a half uh, just with workload and some transitions at home. My three-year-old son is uh, getting rid of his pacifier, and this has been a all-hands-on-deck kind of thing. hasn't been as bad as we thought it was going to be, but the extraction process from getting him to, to not have his pacifier at night or during his naps, is it can be a little bit exhausting at times, and it takes a lot of effort, but we're getting through it, so it's all good. He's calmly lying down now as I do this episode. So we're all good. But before I get into the nitty-gritty of this episode, I just want to remind anybody that's listening, that's a Clevelander, or anyone who's close by, I'm going to be at Apple Tree Books on the east side of Cleveland on August 12th from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, for a local writers uh, sort of uh, festival that's going to be part of actually a larger festival that's going on in East Cleveland. It's a very scenic uh, sort of little cultural hotspot in Cleveland uh, is what the east side is with Little Italy over there and uh, the Natural History Museum and the Botanical Gardens, very scenic area and whatnot. So if you want to come out, uh, come see me and see some of my work. I'd be more than happy to to meet up with you and talk with you. So especially if you're an aspiring writer and you've been listening to this podcast and maybe just like to meet me face-to-face or something or, or just anything like that, that'd be awesome. So on that note, uh, I'm going to be wrapping up this series on heroes and villains and more specifically, the ideas of good and evil with this episode. And I know that these, going into this, this is a really big topic, okay? Good and evil is not something you just tackle, I think, in 20 minutes and you call it a day. It's something that's been argued about. It's been philosophized over. It's been uh, just dived into with every generation that comes along. Like, what is good and what is evil? So... I'm not going to try to answer all those questions in this episode. In fact, I don't even think I have the best answers for them, but I do want to discuss them because in a writing sense, good and evil are always driving against each other in a in a narrative or a large or some kind of larger narrative that we're building. And as a fiction writer that I am, specifically science fiction, I'm going to have tension of good versus evil. My protagonist is going to be on the side of good, typically should be, I would imagine. And my villain is going to be on uh, the side of evil or my antagonist will be on the side of evil. So without trying to summarize my last four or five episodes too much, uh, this is going to be a little bit about the responsibilities that writers might have uh, or aspiring writers may have when it comes to talking about the greater ideals of humanity and uh, just kind of this ability to be influential in the cultural or societal space as it pertains to 
trying to define what is good, you know, what are some good things to fight for and what are some uh, evils to stand up against? Uh, I think it needs to be said first historically that religion has tried to tackle this in a larger narrative for, for generations, you know, for as long as human beings have been able to write down things, create art, we've always tried to solve some of the questions of where do we come from, where are we going, what's our meaning in life, what's our purpose of our life, and in many ways it's to combat uh, evil or this uh, sort of non, uh, it's not even a comfortable thing, but a, a form of suffering and despair that would impede any bit of our emotion going forward. And there's a, I guess that's not really the biggest or best uh, definition of evil that's out there, but it is one of them, you know, this perversion of good, you know, things that would go against human well-being or flourishing or uh, what is morally upstanding for not only the individual but for the group or for the community or for the nation that they're a part of. There's, there's a lot of different ways that evil can kind of infiltrate ideas of what is good and kind of twist them. So religion has historically tried to kind of answer these questions, but each of them does deal with this idea of suffering, uh, but not all suffering tends to be bad, even though we have this emotional tie to suffering. We tend to think that suffering is, a, is an innately horrible thing, but a little bit of analysis, and we can kind of debunk that pretty quickly. I mean, you may suffer at the gym, right? You may go to the gym and your muscles will hurt, your lungs will hurt if you're really working yourself out because you're tearing all of your muscle fibers up. And that may be a form of physical suffering for a while, but you know that in the morning, uh, once all of that cools down and your body starts to repair itself with good food, hopefully, and fluids, you're going to see some improvement in your, your overall health. So interim suffering for the sake of something in the future doesn't necessarily uh, constitute as evil. It actually could be considered something good for you. So suffering purely alone uh, in that respect is not a great definition of evil or even an evil of the world because we know that suffering is a real thing. Everyone experiences it as, as they may experience happiness or joy. So that's something, first of all, that I wanted to get on the table is that you can't trust suffering. You know, you, you really can't trust it to be the ultimate decider as, you know, is this an evil thing? Uh, because, uh, again, suffering on behalf of something good can be good, and it, it's not necessarily just an inherent evil. But uh, as I said before, I've been doing this series on heroes and villains and trying to just dive into the responsibilities that writers have, especially really influential voices when it comes to tackling injustices of the world or particular evils. You know, uh, can we combat suffering? You know, can we combat certain things as writers, uh, even in a fictional sense? And, and tackle those kinds of things. So one of the things that the hero's journey taught me uh, from studying it a bit is that heroes don't really have a lot to do until the villain moves. So when a villain does something and sort of catalyzes the events that are going to happen, the hero now has to rise up and prove his worth. You know, he has to rise up against the injustice that he's been called to battle against. And uh, this is what I talked about in my Hero's Journey episode, is he has to find out what, it, you know, he or she has to find out if he has what it takes to defeat this particular kind of evil that he's going up against. And again, it could be a micro evil or a macro one. And on that note, uh, I found a really good quote on this. I'd actually heard this quote years ago, but I thought it was a really good quote for this episode. 
and it was uh, done by the late Ernest Hemingway, where he said that all bad writers are in love with the epic. And this is a good reminder of how uh, Hemingway had a nice way of saying, look, if you're totally engrossed with the idea that you're going to write this giant epic tale that is about millions of people at stake and the good is obvious, the evil is obvious, okay, you're not really you're not really trying to pick apart things that you're you're perhaps passionate about uh, because there are certain things that we could all agree upon that that are perhaps evil or good at least in a general consensus. I mean, I don't I don't give a, a lot of people leeway on this because. I know that everyone's different and, and unique in his or her own, own way. But there are certain things that people can do with a story that can make us question, what would I do? You know, what would I do in this particular circumstance? Instead of the obvious of, okay, I have to take up the, sh- the sword and shield and I have to defeat the Dark Lord before everything goes, goes to crap, right? Like, you know, that's an obvious thing that the hero has to do, but... But what if it involves perhaps the death of a loved one or, you know, sacrificing one's limb for something or who knows? There could be a whole host of things. But these ideas of sacrifice that have to take place in a story are also part of, of the nature of what it takes to, to fight evil. And in that sense, good heroes, really good heroes, have external and internal conflicts going on. And the villains... Uh, lean into that. I mean, they the the villains in some way will think of themselves without fault. Conversely, you know, they think that whatever their message is, whatever their their purpose uh, in the story is is absolute. You know, they, that they can do no wrong, uh, even though it might become uh, rather obvious later on in the story that whatever they were doing was bad. But they had tunnel vision the whole time, and it took the the actions of the hero to bring them into uh, the truth, so to speak. Uh, I mean, I, my three-year-old and I, uh, had got done watching the movie Moana, uh, by Disney, which was released a few years ago. And, uh, spoiler alert, the end of the story, the villain actually is the, is the main, the main goddess, like good character whose heart was stolen and it had to be returned so that she could go back to her normal self. Okay. So, this unaware nature, like not being self-aware of the evils that you're rotting on a prawn, you know, you're, you're, you're spreading upon everybody else is a categorical thing about, uh, villains that tends to be true. They're not even aware of the, of the pain. Maybe they are aware of the pain they're inflicting, but maybe they're not aware of the fact that something better lies out there than, than the vision that they've been handed. So the things that I perceive to be evil, uh, or a particular evil, are things that, you know, I myself may want to combat in a story. And this is where that responsibility or burden of an aspiring writer, or perhaps a writer in general, I think really comes into play here, because I think you can tell a lot about someone by the things that they choose to write about and the things that their heroes get pitted against. I think you can get a good sense of, like, where is this person's moral compass? Like, what do they perceive to be good in the world and what is something they, they perceive to, you know, to, to want to, I don't want to say topple, but rather upend. I mean, Stephen King is a, is a great example of this. I mean, he always writes about fundamentalist religion and Bible thumpers as being major hypocrites. I mean, it's a, it's a common theme among all of his, his, his writings. Okay. He has a real ax to grind with fundamentalist, uh, religious folk. 
okay? J.K. Rowling, uh, her Harry Potter series, Lord Voldemort had a master plan where he was going to uh, commit a, a bit of genocide against the Muggles, which were the non-magic folk. So he had this sort of pure, purest, uh, sort of racist, uh, nationalist approach to life that only the wizards and witches should rule the world. You know, all Muggles who can't utilize magic are inferior creatures. They're not really human at all, and they deserve to be, you know, sort of under our boot. Uh, so this was a prominent theme of of Rowling's uh, story. And, you know, I guess it's it's of no surprise when you think about King and Rowling's background that, you know, King comes from, I, th I think he lives on the East Coast, or rather a lot of his stories happen in the kind of that Midwest East Coast area where there is a lot of opposition to fundamentalist religion uh, because if you go to the east or the west coast of America, it's a lot more secular. There's a lot more uh, sort of harsh uh, criticism of just religion or faith in general. So King writes to that. I think that's a lot of his upbringing in a sense. And Rowling being uh, a European, you know, probably growing up around the generations of people that were in World War II and sort of the post-Nazi era of Western Europe— I'm sure a lot of that bled into her work. You know, it, it bled into the things that she felt compelled to write about back in the 90s when she started the Harry Potter series. So these are things that have cropped up in their in their own stories that you can kind of tell a little bit. I think you can tell a little bit about them in terms of what they value and what they think should be combated through the stories and the narratives that they tell. When it comes to my own stories of... Uh, Many years ago, when I was really sorting through some things in my own uh, faith, I wrote a short story called The Scientist's Dilemma, which is a, uh, a great example of me sort of sorting out my own convictions about things that, that I felt like I was in inclined to pursue or that I felt like I was, uh, I was called to do or whatever, and realizing throughout the course of the story that me being the main character of this story that I was missing out on things. You know, there were things that I was uh, called to do or perhaps I was ignoring because I had my own selfish pursuits. And that was my dilemma. And that was something that I had to write about. So writing serves as a great way to find out what we perceive to be injustices, whether it's something that's uh, macro, like I was talking about with King and Rowling, or it could be something perhaps internal and you're, you're, you're sorting out for yourself. And this is interesting because I, I, I want to kind of unpack this a bit because we may think we know what we're really against or perhaps what we think is a, a real evil of the world. But until we pull back a bit from our from what we write, we may not really know. Um, I mentioned in earlier episodes that writing can tend to be a bit of a spiritual experience because you're literally having to put your thoughts on paper and then kind of stepping back away from yourself and, and looking at the things that you've you've penned. And this is this takes a bit of real transparency and, and honesty on your own part to start writing out the things that that you be, you believe in or you or you feel convicted of. I mean, I, I started journaling at the beginning of this year and it's been incredibly helpful for me because I can see certain themes popping up all the time in my writing. Now granted I don't journal every day. I wish I could journal every day. I just don't. But I get to see the certain things that, that, that crop up, things that are troubling me, things that are, are bothering me from, you know, just over the weeks or whatever they are, or things that are, are giving me joy. I, I get a better sense of 
what is it that's really pricking at my heart? You know, what is it that's really striking a nerve? I can see that in my own writing, in a sense. What's transcending all of the stuff that I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying to sort out in my own life? And then, of course, the question is, uh, you know, for me being a writer, what do I do with that? You know, what do I do with the things that, that ail me, right? Like, what are the things that cause me heartache that I kind of pound my fist on the, on the table and say, like, enough is enough, right? Like, this, this needs to, this needs to go. And this is part of that responsibility, I think, of a writer to, to not only just sort it out for themselves, but once you've kind of sorted that out and there is real conviction there about what you may believe in or, or, or want to combat, then you write about it. You write through that. And it could be nonfiction. I mean, it doesn't have to be a fictional story like what I do, typically. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be fictional. It can be uh, a true account. It could be a sort of a bio, biographical account of things that you've gone through. And, and people do that. Uh, I mean, with the onset of self-publishing now today, people have that ability to tell their stories like never before in a written format for, for thousands of people, millions of people, I would, I would argue, to, to read about and to assess and kind of take in the stories of another person and either say, A, I relate to you, or B, I don't know if I agree with you or not. And this is, you know, again, this is the uh, sort of the, the ROI of putting your thoughts on paper or typing it into a, a keyboard and letting other people decide for themselves what they think of the things that, that you care about. So I want to make that clear because I think there are a lot of us, especially young writers, that are perhaps writing from not a place out of conviction, but out of a place of comfort or wherever the cultural shift might be. So this would be, you know, kind of trying to write about what's relevant today instead of writing about what's relevant to you. And this is something that I think I fell prey to when I first started writing was I wanted to be, you know, edgy and I wanted to be sort of tongue-in-cheek satire and that was kind of the flavor of the day for me and that was what spawned my my first two books uh, the epiphanies theories and downright good thoughts and and I, and I don't look back on that work and go oh man I'm so ashamed of it I'm embarrassed by it but looking back on it I realized that I was I was a doing it to get my my toes wet in publishing but B, I also was was sorting it out. I was trying to figure out what what did I feel really convicted of, and and what was it that I really wanted my voice to sound like when I did go out into the masses and I did allow other people to read my work and and hear my thoughts. You know, what did I want that to look like? So, without having gone through that, I wouldn't know what are the things that I do feel convicted about. What are some evils of the world that I that I think or I feel that I want to write about and write against. You know, I want to combat in some way through story and through narrative, which, uh, again, I think is the, the greatest medium for really battling things that are, that are wrong or that we, we feel convicted of that, that will be wrong. So, so again, there's, this is kind of a unique responsibility that I think comes upon a person that has a, has a gifting for writing or has a gifting for expression and art uh, because... Art is truly in, in, up to the interpretation of the one who views it or who listens to it, but there's still messages. There's still a piece of the artist that's coming through in that that feels strongly about something. I mean, their whole identity might not be wrapped up in the art itself, and I, I, I've talked about that in other episodes too, but 
there's still this part of it that is I'm responsible for this work. Part of me is in it. And that one part of me that might be sending a message is trying to convey that message clearly. Uh, even though some people may not get it right away, it might resonate with them later. And, and I think that's something that's really good about just good art is that it has that ability to, to kind of take the wherewithal of time uh, because it does have those transcendent qualities to keep challenging people who come back to it over and over again. And that doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean to be vague uh, as an artist or as a writer, but just to be very uh, sort of cognizant of that reality that, that when we do write from that place of conviction, we do have the ability to touch more people because our convictions are so strong people will be able to feel that in our in our voice or in, or in our writing, which takes me back to Hemingway's quote again, how every bad writer is in love with the epic because the the themes are obvious, you know, the, the, the obviousness of good versus evil. I mean, the, the Game of Thrones series, as much as, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't endorse it, I, I would say, <laughs> but... Uh, I know that it's it, they're written very well. Uh, the first couple seasons of the HBO special I did watch, I thought they were really intriguing. But the moment I, I found out that so many characters would be killed after they became good guys, I kind of dipped out. I, I'm sorry. Anybody that's listening to this and is a big Game of Thrones fan, I'm, I'm really sorry. I just couldn't get into it uh, in that way because I, I couldn't get attached to anybody. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't get attached to any of the characters because they died the moment that they showed any upstanding moral character at all. Just, just goodbye, done, over with. So, and plus, Sean Bean, well, we knew he was going to die as soon as he was a character in the show, let's just be honest. But anyway, Game of Thrones, uh, George R. R. Martin was, was interviewed about this, and he said, you know, I don't like stories that are so obvious when it's good versus evil. He goes, I, I like to talk about the fact that everyone has some darkness in them, and we're all motivated by different things. And... I agree with him. You know, I do agree with him on that, that uh, there is a little bit of darkness in every person. Uh, you know, that there isn't a, a totally good person that's out there. I mean, people tr do good things. But again, this would probably be getting into a little bit more of my faith. But if I'm writing from that area of conviction where I can see that people struggle with things and that people aren't perfect, then there are certain specific things that I want my protagonists or my heroes to go through because I know that that will be relatable to anybody that's going to read my my work. And the, the great creative challenge behind that is finding new and exciting ways to present it so that it's both intriguing and entertaining at the same time. Uh, so it's not just some cookie cutter story that's trying to live in the wake of another very popular tale. You know, like I'm, I, I don't feel any aspirations to write a story about uh, wizards in a wizarding academy, okay, because it's already been done. Even if I was a big fan of magic and, and fantasy like that, which I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, but I, I did like Harry Potter. But like I, I, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to be able to do something different and I want to be able to explore the themes and convictions of my own self so that I can project that message into into the uh, into the the hands or the laps of those that would that would read my work. So in closing, uh, I think you've kind of got the point at the end of this episode that uh, I do think that writers have a unique burden and they do have a unique responsibility to talk about certain evils and uh, particular injustices that go on in the world. 
and to write about it and to not be afraid to have courage to speak up about those things. And this is where it also gets really murky and uh, foggy for people too because, because of all the different perhaps faith practices that there are or the judgments of what are good and evil, we do have conflicting ideologies about what is good and what is evil. And I, I mentioned this in uh, the beginning of the episode, so I'm trying to kind of bring this full circle here. Because of that, there's a constant battle for truth. There's a constant war being raged for what is true and what is good. And I think as writers, and anybody who's a writer, you know, even if you're not writing novels, just journaling it, like I said earlier, you'll be able to figure out what are the things that you, you truly treasure as being good in your life and what do you think are evils of your life. And you may, have, over time, recognize that the evils are not really evils. They're more like inconveniences rather than true evils uh, because what, what what is one person's discomfort can be another person's uh, perhaps uh, evil of their life or something, you know, just, you know, my, my molehill versus your mountain or something like that would be the phrase. But, but that's just it though. You know, as, uh, as writers go, we have that unique ability to talk about good things and battle evil things of the world so that, uh, so that people who are perhaps going through something can, can be encouraged. You know, this, this is happening, you know, this is something that's relevant, you know, to me. And I might have more courage in my own life uh, to, to stand up for something that I think is wrong, which is strange because fiction has that ability. Fiction has the ability to affect our lives uh, in that way. So, so I hope you enjoyed this, this episode, guys. This is, again, it's a pretty big topic, but it's a really fun one, I think, to just sort of flesh out, just kind of unpack a bit, talk about, uh, look at six ways till Sunday. But I, I enjoy doing it. Uh, I love getting into sort of these deeper philosophical, uh, even theologically based arguments about good, evil, and the, the larger narratives. So uh, I did want to, to do this as my sort of capstone episode about heroes and villains. So again, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you've enjoyed this series on heroes and villains on the writer's lens. I am going to be switching gears in the next few episodes as I prep to do some kind of marketing, self-promotion, and just kind of going through the next process of publishing a book because my second book, The, the Shadow of Mars, which is the sequel to The Road to Mars, is hopefully going to be getting released later this year in 2018 if all things go well. I'm currently doing the read-through. I'm almost done with the sort of the final ending. Uh, endings are always a difficult thing for me to do because I think I always have them in mind and then I start getting to the end of them and I just go, oh my gosh, this is sounding nothing like what I thought it was going to be. So it's it's going to take a little bit of time to to, to re-edit that and, and get it in the hands of some folks to tell me whether or not I'm on the right track or not. But I do want to walk through that process a bit. So I'm going to start a series with episode 40, which is going to be talking about my next publishing journey and just some of the things I'm going through, some of the things I'm going to be doing uh, to kind of prep for the launch, uh, the, the edits, the sort of collaborative brain trust meetings with my creative group, and just what is that looking like? You know, what, what are some of the things that I'm, I think I'm doing well or I think I'm not doing so well? And, and what are some things I did in the past that I just don't want to repeat? So that's going to be on, 
on target for the next few episodes. And I think I'm going to have a few interviews here coming up. Uh, I have a few people lined up that I'm hoping uh, can fit me into their schedules uh, for just talking creativity and hopefully be of a bit of uh, light to one another and encouragement to just uh, get through those those dark times when we, we feel like, man, I'm, I'm never going to finish this thing. I'm just never going to finish this, which is another thing I want to I want to discuss in a, in a future episode. So thanks for sticking with me on this one, guys. I know this is a little bit longer than usual here on the Writer's Lens, but a lot of good stuff to chew on. Uh, again, if you're a Clevelander or someone in the Midwest area and you'd like to stop out on August 12th, I will be at Apple Tree Books from noon till 5 p.m. Uh, so I'd encourage you to come check it out. Come see me. I'd love to meet you if you've been listening to this podcast. And on another note, I will be showing up on other podcasts, which I'll be announcing in uh, another week or so. Um, I do uh, have some interviews that I'll be showing up on. Uh, So I'm very excited about that. So more to come on that later. Until next time, guys, have a great week, and I'll be catching up with you shortly for another episode of The Writer's Lens. This is Josh A.C. Alfalto, and I'll talk with you again soon.